Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Hello, boyfriend. That's a nice name. (laughs) I haven't heard that in a while. You haven't? No. Well, hello, boyfriend. Well, hello, girlfriend. (laughs) We are Dean and Paula Roberts, co-coaches of RYR Endurance Team, where we coach experienced to beginners in both running and triathlon. And we have a lot of fun watching the athletes develop and reach their goals. It was fun. It was so fun meeting people. We onboarded a new guy this week, and like all our athletes that we onboard, it's just so fun to talk to them and get to know them and talk about why they love the sport, why they're doing the sport. It's just so fulfilling. Yeah, and to hear their big goals and and talk about how we can help them. Yep. So I had several things I wanted to talk about before we jump into our main podcast topic today. Okay, but can we talk about Eliane first? Okay, well, let's <laughs> talk about Eliane. Well, I want to back up. This weekend has just been so much fun. So our daughter, Bethany, came over yesterday after work, and we got to just relax and spend some time with her, some downtime by the pool, which we were old when we finally installed a pool in our backyard, but it's... We're not old yet. Oh, okay. We were probably older than Our children were old enough to move out of the house. They've been gone a while. Yeah. Yeah. Old enough a while. Yeah. So... We wanted it to still be a gathering place and a place that they wanted to come back, and it's just awesome. Bethany was here last night, and then after we spent some time with her, then Jacob and Shelby showed up with Eliane in tow, and we got to have overnight company last night. And she was so good. She slept all night. And actually, I was gone this morning when she finally awakened, so you got granddaddy... Alone time, which is unusual. It was really sweet. She started making noises, and so I opened the door just a little bit to see if I could see what she was doing. And she was just kind of rolling around, and she's 15, almost 16 months old. And the louder her, uh, Eliish, that's the language she speaks right now, Eliish, the louder she was speaking, I decided I would go ahead and go in. And then I just laid down on the floor beside of her bed. And she would sit up and she would lay down. She'd sit up and she'd lay down. And she just had a big time in her bed for about 15 minutes more after she woke up before she was ready to be picked up. So we had some good bonding time. Yep. So we tag team this morning. I did my run while you played with sweet baby girl. And then you and her daddy, Jacob, he went for a run, and you rode beside of him for company while I got my alone time. Yeah, I got some good father-son time. 
Yep. And then you had father-daughter time. Me and Bethany went to the swimming pool. It's been a good weekend. Good weekend and just find that Shelby and Jacob and Ellie and Bethany have all been around a lot. Yep. We are very blessed. We are. Thank you, Lord. So, I kind of jumped onto that. What kind of things would you like to discuss before we jump into the main course today? One of the things I heard this week that I thought was pretty cool was that Garmin is coming out with a new version of their 945 watch. Which is their premier triathlon watch. Yeah. So they now have the Garmin 945 LTE, which means it can communicate over cellular. And so you could do athlete tracking straight from your watch. Or if you were in an emergency situation, the software on the watch could call for help. That's my understanding. Anyway, that's pretty cool. So now all they need, if we can track our athletes live, all we need is a way to have a little speaker in their watch. (laughs) So if they go to a restaurant that we don't approve of? We will just speak into their watch. Yeah. I normally wear my Garmin watch, but I've also been wearing an Apple watch because I want to understand how it works because some athletes are going to have an Apple watch. And one day this week, I guess it was Friday, I was at lunch with a friend and I got an alert on both my watches, one on the left and one on the right, that somebody was at the front door and I looked at the Apple watch and it had a picture of Bethany standing on our front porch. I thought that was pretty cool. She probably thinks that's creepy. Yeah, could be creepy. Sorry, Bethany. That's okay. I didn't try to talk to her or anything. (laughs) But you could have. I probably could have. So that was one of the things I thought was cool in the news this week. Another thing that I thought was interesting was uh, I've had some conversations with the Challenge family organization, the ones that put on Challenge Daytona and Challenge Miami. And they sent me an email this week saying that they were rebranding to be Clash USA. Is that an acronym or just a word? Yeah, I'm not really sure. But I think it's a cool name. But what I thought was even more interesting was that next year, 2022, they're going to have a triathlon centered around Atlanta Motor Speedway. All their triathlons are at NASCAR tracks. And Miami, Daytona, and that's just a really long way for us to drive. But Atlanta's not too bad. Not bad. So Five and a half hours on a good day. So that may be in my race plan in the future, 2022. Yeah, maybe we can get several team members to participate in that race. Yeah, they don't have any details out yet. They just mentioned it's coming. Fun. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about was, and we had mentioned this on a previous podcast, that the Olympics are getting really close, and we're pretty excited about that. But I don't know if our listeners are aware, because this is news to me, that the Olympic triathlon really consists of three separate events. You've got the men's Olympic distance, you've got the women's Olympic distance, and then you got this new event, which is the mixed triathlon. And what it consists of is you have two men and two women representing each country that's participating. And the order is female, male, female, male. And the first person does a swim, which is a 300-meter swim, 
Then this same person does a 8K bike and then a 2K run. And then they tag off with the next person who takes off running and dives into the water to do their super sprint triathlon. So each of the four people do that. And then in the fourth person, just like in a relay on the track, is the one that comes across the finish line and decides who the winner is. But that's going to be an exciting event. Yeah, and it's funny. You mentioned this to me before we started our podcast today, and I'd never heard of it. So I thought, well, it must be brand new. How is it already an Olympic sport? But as we were looking at it, They've actually had world championships in this event starting back in 2009. Wow. So Where have we been? That is a good question. But I really like the concept because as endurance athletes and triathletes, a lot of times it's just a very individual sport. So I love making it a team sport that gives some of these superstar triathletes a reason to make friends with each other and form a team and build a little bit deeper camaraderie. Yeah, and think how fast this is going to be. You know, a 300-meter swim, an 8K bike, and a 2K run. I mean, this is going to be just all out. Yes, there's no saving some for later. (laughs) Get it and go, because your teammates are counting on you. You got to get it done. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this unfold. So what do you know about the Iron Cowboy? Not a whole lot. So he's been around a while, but it's my understanding that within this past week, he just finished a feat that to me seems amazing in that he completed 100 iron distances in 100 days. Now, I think a lot of the swims were pool swims, and I think a lot of the 112-mile bike rides were in group rides, so he was able to kind of relax and draft draft, and you know, get in the back of a makeshift peloton and then do the marathon, which I think a lot of his marathons he did, a combination of running and walking, just trying to complete it. But I know some people give him a hard time saying, well, it's not really an Ironman because he drafted or whatever, but... I think it's pretty impressive to get up and cover 140.6 miles 100 times in 100 days, regardless of how it happened. Yeah, so just think about it. If he's a you know gifted, well-trained athlete, triathlete, maybe he's completing these in 10 hours, 11 hours, 12 hours, something, but doing that consecutively for 100 days? Let me tell you, when I finished Ironman Louisville, I was not ready to get up tomorrow and do another one. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) Pretty tough. Although, when I was in the swim line for Ironman Louisville, there was a lady in front of me who was talking to some other fellow triathletes saying that this was her third Ironman in four months. So, I thought that was pretty aggressive. That is pretty aggressive, but... I think your experience and my experience both has been that we're more sore after racing a marathon than completing an Ironman, even if we are given it all we've got. I've definitely been the most sore after racing a marathon. I won't say I necessarily raced Louisville, 
I mean, I worked hard and I completed it, but I wouldn't say I raced it. Yeah. So I think if I raced an Ironman, I would be as sore because obviously I'd be racing that marathon. Yeah, the uh, Ironman events that I raced trying to qualify and then participating in Kona, I was doing the best I could, but I just wasn't as sore as if I was doing the best I could on a solo marathon. I just wonder if it has to do with just the sheer difference in the volume of training going into each of those two events. Yeah, there was a whole lot more volume of training going into the Ironman than what I do for a marathon. We saw each other a lot more when you were training for Boston than when you were training for Kona. I agree. (laughs) You were so supportive, though. Wanted you to reach a go. Well, let's get started on our podcast topic of the day. All right. Do you have a topic? No. I thought you had a topic. Well, I was thinking about something this week as I was working through some of our onboarding stuff with some of our newer athletes and then just kind of looking at where some of our current athletes are. And that is, I was really thinking about, although when we onboard an athlete, we always, if they have the data, especially if they're not a brand new athlete, if they have historical data, we always want to figure out, have they tracked it anywhere like Strava or Garmin? So we do want to look at that past data, but I was thinking all this past data is great, but the past does not determine the future. So I was thinking, that sounds like a catchy little podcast topic. That is catchy. So, does that sound okay to talk about? Let's let's do it. All right, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. I'll get us started and you just jump in with anything you think about. All right. All right, so we do. We look at their data, especially their recent data. And if there's nothing there, then we know we're starting from scratch. Starting from the couch. Starting from the couch. But if there is something there, is it recent? Is it consistent? Are there gaps? Like, have they been really active the past month, but the 11 months prior to that, there was nothing? Like, really, we're just kind of looking at their overall fitness level when we onboard them. Does that sound reasonable? That's true. Yeah. So gives us a good starting point as far as training volume. But even when I look at past athlete, like their paces or power, or we don't box them in and think, oh, well, this person's going to complete a triathlon in this time. Oh, or this person is going to run this amount of power when they compete three months from now. Like we just don't use that past data to box in where an athlete's going to be on race day. This would be an example. What we don't do when we look at past data, we don't say, hey, in 2017, Jordan ran a marathon in two hours and 48 minutes. So this upcoming training cycle, that's how we're going to set up the workouts. We're going to prescribe these tempo paces and these threshold paces and all based on a marathon time that happened four or five years ago. Like, we're really not going to do that. A lot can change in four or five years. That's right. Or, say, we look at Sean has completed Ironman 70.3 in Augusta and did it in six hours, 50 minutes last year. So we're automatically going to say, okay, well, let's set a go and we're going to do it in six hours, 30 minutes for the upcoming year because there's just too many variables. 
One could be the level of fitness. One could be race day conditions. Maybe with the six hour, 50 minutes, there was no current or maybe a huge current or maybe they had to cut the swim short somewhere or maybe there's a huge headwind. I mean, there's just all kinds of factors that really an overall time, especially in a triathlon, is really relative to that day. Yeah, so I have an example of that from personal experience when I raced Ironman Texas in May of 2016. I've always had a big goal of breaking 10 hours in an Ironman event. And a time goal in an Ironman event is kind of tricky because every course is different. But there was just so many things that changed around Ironman Texas. They, they changed the swim course the day before the race. They changed the bike course and made it 95 miles, something, 90-something miles. It was short. And then the run was a full distance, but this is a whole other story in itself. But the thunderstorm caused them to call the race. When I was at about the maybe 22-mile mark, but anyway, I went ahead and finished, not knowing that there was anything going on. Long story, but my point being is that if the race had been the full distance, I would have reached my goal of breaking 10 hours because in this shortened bike course event, I was under nine hours. And so... Yeah, I think you would have crushed the 10-hour goal, but in a way, it's just kind of frustrating that you'll never know because the lengths had been changed. When you extrapolate the data, it clearly comes in well under... 10 hours. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I can check that bucket off, but anyway, it was a it was a great day, just a lot of unusual circumstances. Does that relate to the topic at all? Of course. Okay. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> if our audience gets that reference, we want to comment in our Facebook group. <laughs> Anyway, the bottom line is this. When our athletes say, hey, my personal best is this. Here's what I want my race to be. What we really try to guide them to understand is we just want them to focus on today. What's your fitness level today? And what can your body produce today in training? Whether it's an easy day, keeping it easy and keeping that heart rate where it needs to be for a nice zone to day, whether it be a ride or run, swim. I want to expand on that, that it's great for an athlete to do the workout today at the appropriate level, but the athlete also needs to focus on proper nutrition and proper recovery every day because it's, it all works together to help you improve fitness. Yes. I mean, all the things, you know, and my coach, <clears throat> Mr. Roberts, texted me yesterday and said, Hey, your foam rolling has been red in Training Peaks. It's really important. Why has it been red? Have you been busy? I mean, I haven't been busy, but that's no excuse. I can find five to ten minutes every day to do my foam rolling. i tell you why it's been red. is because when I don't foam roll, I really don't go in and mark it as complete. So I really have not been foam rolling, so I'll, I'll let it ride red. You let it ride red a lot longer than I thought you would, but you called me out yesterday. 
All right. I haven't seen you foam roll today either. I haven't. And I didn't foam roll yesterday, even though when I got the text, I was like, I need to go find that foam roller. All right. For our athletes that are listening. I'm a non-example. Please do what's on your plan or ask questions. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, back to this. The past does not determine the future. So an athlete determining what an upcoming race outcome should be based on race outcomes in the past are really robbing themselves of appreciating where they currently are and gaining fitness based on current fitness levels. And actually, this can create two problems that are in complete opposite directions. Okay. Okay. So, from the first angle I look at this, the first problem is an athlete may be setting unrealistic expectations for speed work days and for race days. So, let's refer back to our 248 marathon athlete, Jordan, who did this in 2017. A fictitious person. Yes, this is fictitious. We're not going to call any of our real athletes out on our podcast. Unless we get their permission in advance. Sometimes we call them out and they don't care. Yeah. Yep. So let's just say that this fictitious athlete, Jordan, contacts us to see if by... And this is what athletes ask sometimes. So if we work with you, then in 16 weeks from now when I have my marathon... I want to hit 245. Now, I've already done 248. (laughs) And so now they want to do their next marathon in 16 weeks and do 245. So what are we going to tell this athlete? It's hard for us to say that that's possible until we get to know you. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to tell an athlete, yeah, yeah, sign on with us because we're going to make you the fastest you've ever been. Like Make Make it to the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, that's not what we're about. Really, we're about meeting athletes where they are and helping them over time and being consistent, getting better and better. So honestly, we're we're honestly going to tell this athlete, we don't know because we don't know. I mean, there's really too many factors that play into performance on race day. For one thing, and we have actually recently released a podcast on the topic is what has been the full body of work since 2017? Has this athlete continued running and running at the volume to keep that endurance threshold healthy? Has the athlete been sitting on the couch watching Netflix? Or coming off of an injury. Is the athlete injured? I mean, there's just so much. I mean, we've already discussed in detail about how it's the full body of work that gives us the tools we need to be successful on race day and you know another thing too like was that 248 just easy for that athlete or was it a stretch go because whether we like to admit it or not we do all have a certain amount of god-given ability Mm -hmm. and so for some people to qualify for boston it's simple like they do it and don't even know it's a thing so i remember running boston in 2011 And that was the year of the tailwind. It was an awesome day. And the winner, I don't remember the name, but I think Ryan Hall finished third that day, which was amazing. But the winner that day ran the fastest marathon in history, but it wasn't counted because Boston has too much downhill. 
But my point being is if your personal best is on a point-to-point course with a strong tailwind at your back, it's unrealistic to think that in your next race, you're going to be as fortunate and ought to be able to run faster. Yeah, and like for me personally, I've discussed this before too, my personal best is on a gradual downhill course. So gravity was working with me, and it was a very gradual downhill, so it wasn't one of these quad killer courses. So now, as I've been racing a few more flat courses, I will call it, they might be rolling or I guess no net elevation loss. I don't set my sights on that downhill finish time. I set my sights on improving my no net elevation loss marathon time. That makes sense. Yeah. And so I've continued to be consistent. I've continued with training. I've been much better about going into recovery cycles. So I'm looking forward to when I pick out my next marathon and see what can be done. But so I digress. So we were talking about for this athlete was 248 a stretch go and he about killed himself in training to get there or was he just a naturally gifted athlete that a 248 wasn't that big of a stretch go and maybe he could do a 222. Wow. So, I mean, you just don't know. And, you know, for you, like a 248, I know you worked hard and, you know, you've run that before. But for me, I didn't start running until mid-40s. So I'm going to guess a 248's not in my cards, but I'm just going to take each day and see where I go. Yeah, that's one of the neat things about running and triathlon is you can get satisfaction just by seeing improvement. It doesn't have to be comparing yourself to others. It definitely doesn't. It shouldn't be. So, But at the same time, I guess what I'm saying is I right now should not be comparing myself to my 10-year-ago athletic self because 10 years ago, I was just starting and you know how it was. Like I'm like, if I could just get the treadmill to 6.0, like my heart rate was always high. There was no such thing as a rate of perceived exertion of four, which we prescribe to our experienced athletes a lot. I mean, there, you know, like there were no easy runs for me. Every time you laced up your shoes to go for a run, it was exhausting for you, regardless of how fast it was, which was not very fast then compared to now. Right. A lot has changed. Yeah. Now, so here's the thing. My body doesn't remember that I ran a marathon nine years ago and here's what your marathon time is. So this is forever going to be your marathon time. Does that make sense? Yeah, What you're saying is I can't expect that to be the time I get in my next marathon. But I think it is important for us to hang on to those personal bests. There's really good memories from those special races. Yeah. But it's not an expectation for the next time. Yeah. So in this particular case, we're talking about the past, driving that athlete to set expectations that are at or better. Okay, if I did a 248 then I should be able to do a 248 now. Maybe putting too high of an expectation on themselves. But the second problem is, is if an athlete is letting their past determine their future, they may actually be sabotaging future success. I know my first marathon, 
I ran it in well over four hours, maybe 4.16, 4.19. I don't remember the exact time. But I never said, oh, well, that's just the marathoner I am. That's the pace I'm going to be forever. Like I continued to train based on where I was. Actually, you were unsatisfied with how you ran that race and being the strong, determined woman that you are, you ran another marathon about two weeks later and crushed your previous time. Yeah, that was still over four hours, though. And I did. I still didn't put in my mind, oh, you're never going to run under four hours because if I did, I wouldn't be sitting on a Boston 22 qualifier with a 11-minute, 40-second cushion that I'm pretty excited about. Pretty exciting. Yeah, so you just got to be patient and take what fitness you have and continue to develop it. And here's one of the reasons I was really thinking about this topic. We recently onboarded an athlete who, I mean, is pretty much a newbie to running. So at the onboarding meeting, he mentioned that he has completed one marathon for a charity, I think a run-walk strategy, and did it in five hours, 43 minutes or something like that. That's correct. And then as we were talking with him and asking him about his goals, he articulated that one of the goals was to eventually run a sub-five-hour marathon. And we documented that goal, but a couple of years from now, you and me and this athlete, we may all just kind of chuckle at that goal because, I mean, we don't know, and he doesn't know either. Is he a sub-four-hour marathoner? Is he a sub 3.30 marathoner? Is he a sub three hour marathoner? Like, it's just going to be so fun to watch his fitness develop. And I don't think he is. And I think it's good to set intermediate goals. Okay, I've run a 5.43. Now I want to go under five, like get there. But it's going to be fun to watch him to develop and just continue to improve where he is. And who knows? The sky's the limit. That's right. Of course, I know you and I aren't going to coach him as if breaking five hours is the ultimate go. We're just going to partner with him and watch his fitness grow and watch him get faster. Yeah, I'll just focus on incremental gains and some small wins here and there and continual progress. Yeah. I want to circle back to my first marathon just for a second. I mean, it was hard. It, it was... <laughs> It was hard for me to run a four-hour and 16-minute marathon. Like, the day was hard. I'd worked hard. I'd trained hard. And I did complete it. So, you know, that's definitely yay. Like, I'll never look back and go, oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that marathon. But I was also, for my age and for the time I finished, I was well out of the range of qualifying for Boston. Like, 45 minutes out of that range. And so, honestly... Boston wasn't on my radar. My mindset about Boston was that it's for runners like you, <laughs> like naturally gifted, been running since third grade. I, I just really didn't think somebody who started later in life like I did and couldn't run a 10-minute mile for a long time. Like I never thought Boston was in my cards, but... Then I watched a friend of mine, and we traveled with her, and you were such a big help and support to her, but 
Kelly just worked and worked, and she shaved a good 50 minutes off of her time from her first marathon, which she did her first marathon the same weekend I did my first marathon. It was two different two different countries. I was in Canada. She was here. Yeah, and I believe her course was quite hilly, mm-hmm. and yours was pretty flat. Yeah, it was. But she never let her past performance determine her results on race day. Like, she just continued to work hard, and it was her current work, and it really she just had a real growth mindset that she could continue with grit to get better. So she had goals, she had grit, and she accomplished it. She's run Boston several times now. Yeah, and she's been very consistent with her training. Mm-hmm. So I've thought of a few other examples of not letting your past determine your future. So think about swimming. Just because you have never swam laps or you've never swam in open water doesn't mean you can't learn to do it. And you might may actually be good at it. And just because you... Oh, wait, before you jump off of swimming, are you changing the subject from swimming? I was. Okay. And the reverse is true. If you are a triathlete now and you have a swimming background, just because you were an awesome state-level champion swimmer back in the day doesn't mean you don't have to really work at and build fitness through swimming because you can gain so much fitness through swimming. You may not gain a ton of overall time on your swim leg in a triathlon, but if you are a great natural swimmer, have developed that talent from a young age, then if the more you work hard in the pool, then when you get out of that swim leg, you're going to be so much more fit and better equipped to finish the rest of the event. Yeah, because you're getting a lot of cardiovascular improvements in the pool that will carry over to the bike and run. Now, you still need to get your your legs conditioned for the bike and run, but you can do a lot to improve your your heart while you're in the water. Absolutely. So the next thing I was going to mention was just because you've had a bike wreck in the past <laughs> doesn't mean you should quit riding. Do you know anybody that might apply to? Just about everybody who rides a bike has had a wreck at one point or other. How many husband-wife people do you think have hit the same deer? That's a pretty unusual situation. So taking a tangent here, I've mentioned that I really enjoy watching pro cycling. I was watching some of the highlights of the Giro d'Italia one day this week while I was riding on the trainer, and I don't know what happened, but they showed a clip of a cyclist finishing the ride for the day, finishing the stage, and he didn't have a saddle. All he had was a seat post. Ooh, don't sit down. I sure hope he knew that his saddle was missing. I hope he didn't find out in any rough kind of way. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But it's just amazing to watch those pro cyclists bounce off the pavement, get back up, hop on the same bike, or their team car gives them another bike, and they just take off with their clothes torn and blood running down their legs. They're pretty tough. They are. But my point being is... <laughs> Tangent. Tangent. My point is that don't give up just because you've had an accident. Yeah, and it can really get in your head. I know our incident of hitting that deer was, I don't know, six to eight weeks out from my Ironman Louisville. 
and you were laid up. So I lost my, <laughs> I lost my Sherpa, my white Sherpa. You lost your training partner on the ride. One of your training partners. Yeah. Fortunately, I still had Kelly who was doing the event with me, but I had a lot to overcome. I was never fearful on a bike. Like I've talked about before, I grew up riding wheelies and jumping ramps. Like I love riding a bike, but a butterfly would fly in front of me after I hit that deer and I, I would startle. So it, you're right. You can't hold on to that stuff. You've got to let it go. Yeah. And when I'm riding outdoors now, anytime I'm around a wooded area, my radar goes up. I'm just expecting to see a deer on the side of the road or in the middle of the road or, or any kind of animal, a dog to jump out and cause skunk. Yeah. You've had your experience with a skunk. <laughs> Just, just cause a, a bad day. I thought of another time when you don't want to let your past determine your future. I remember a time when me and my brother and a, another cyclist, we decided we were going to try to break a Strava segment. And we were getting after it. We were drafting. We were rotating. But there was one intersection on this Strava segment. And we were flying. And we're clancing side to side to see if there's any cars coming and as we're getting real close to the intersection, we see a car. Now, the person in the lead went on through the intersection, and me and Harry, we slammed on our brakes, put a little black mark on the pavement, and stopped before the stop sign. My point being is... There is no Strava segment worth your life. My point being is, just because we got lucky that time doesn't mean we're going to get lucky the next time. So, be smart. There are a lot of ways to get hurt without being careless. But we need to challenge ourselves to improve, but we need to be smart about how we do it. Incremental gains compound over time, and you may surprise yourself. But taking time off of training for one reason or the other means when you resume, you shouldn't expect to be at the same level. I remember shifting from full distance triathlon back to marathon specific racing. And that's this is just another example. When you split your training energy between three activities, your performance is less than if you focus on one. And when I returned to a marathon focus, I couldn't assume that I was going to run another 248. I couldn't expect to be as fast as I was before taking all those years dividing up my time. You really just need to test your fitness and train where you're at. Exactly. And don't put limits on yourself. Yeah, don't put unrealistic expectations on yourself. That's just going to make your training and race day feel like a failure. But on the other end, don't limit yourself and sabotage a race. Yeah. It's easy to try to train for a specific time when your body's not ready for that and it's just really frustrating well and i think races like the boston marathon that say okay if you're a female and you're 48 years old here's the time you need but wait you probably need to be eight minutes under that time then i think that's why and like i understand it i think that's why athletes say i need you to train me to run this time goal in a marathon and so, I mean, we could set up workouts to 
train an athlete for that, but if their body is not ready for it, they're going to get injured and they're going to get frustrated. Yeah. But it's it's easy to get on that hamster wheel and compare yourself to that Boston standard rather than looking at where you are and just doing the best you can. Yeah. And we've been in that situation before and we've learned that it's just much better to focus on where an athlete is at, not specifically or not entirely on where they want to be. Mm-hmm. It takes time to improve. It does. Big so, goals take a lot of time. Yeah. So if you're listening to our podcast for the first time today, the RYR in RYR Endurance Team stands for Run Your Race, which is based on the 12th chapter of Hebrews that says, run with endurance the race that is set before you. And we're very open with our athletes and with our podcast listeners that we're Christians and we want to share our faith with others in hopes that others come to know and love Christ. But I guess what's amazing to me is that every podcast topic that we talk about as we're kind of thinking through and developing that topic, I can always think of something in our Christian faith that's so parallel to the endurance sport. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I just wanted to interject something. So the race of life and whether we make it to the finish line and reach heaven is so much more important than if we Kona qualify or run Boston or, or do the six world major marathons. This is true. Yep. So if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of draw a parallel to today's topic, which is your past does not determine your future. Let's go for it. All right. So it's our daily walk and what we are doing now to grow closer to the Lord and to serve Him. And uh, my very wise daughter, Bethany, had recently written an article to contribute to someone else's blog. And something that she wrote in there was that if it's in the Bible multiple times, then pay extra attention to it. Because if it's being repeated in the Bible, it must be important. That leads me to four scriptures. Okay. You want me to read them? Please do. Okay. So the first one is Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That is a wonderful blessing and promise. I think that's a promise that their past does not determine their future. Their past will be forgotten. Yes. So here's another one. That was the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. And it's really important as Christians that we study both the Old and the New Testament. Like, we are under the New Covenant, but you learn so much about the qualities, heart, and character of God by reading the Old Testament. Because even in that Old Covenant, you know how many times he forgave those Israelites? Time and time again. (laughs) Time and time again. So back to Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) And then Hebrews 10, 17. 
and their sins and iniquities will I remember. No more. No more. And then we'll jump back to the Old Testament one more time as if three mentions isn't enough. Here's a fourth mention, and there may be more mentions. These are just ones that I quickly found. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. The color of blood. (laughs) They shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson. They will be as wool. So I think that kind of says he's washing them away, white as snow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, multiple sightings in both the Old and the New Testament. It seems to me God knew that Satan would want to sabotage our faith and have us dwell on our past to prevent us to taking the step to accept God's grace and his free gift of salvation through the acceptance of Christ and what he did for us through his death on the cross, his burial, and then the story didn't end there. The story didn't end. Yep. Because there was that resurrection. The stone was rolled away. Yep. So, and I read this somewhere too. I, I uh, read recently that we should stop spending so much time identifying with a past that God's forgotten. That's pretty wise. Yeah. So let's stop identifying with our past sins, sins that he has either already forgiven, if we've already repented, or he will forgive if you just turn to him. He's a good God. Our past does not determine our future. Amen. (laughs) We have this Facebook group. It's called RYR Endurance Team kind of a creative name you know i like that name since that's the name of our endurance team because coming up with names is tricky yeah let's just stick with this one let's just stick with that anyway search for us on face group face group (laughs) is that what i said yeah must be late search for us on facebook and we will let you into our group i think there's a question you have to answer but we just want to make sure it's not a, a robot trying to take over the world or something get in our group Robots are getting smarter every day. (laughs) That's right. Anyway, we'd love to have you in the group, and you can comment either on our podcast that you listen to, or you can just ask any general or specific running or triathlon questions, and either we can answer them, or candidly, there's people a lot smarter than us in that group that chime in and answer stuff all the time. They're very helpful. If anyone has a topic they'd like for us to discuss, we'd love to hear about that. We would. And if you're interested in coaching, let us know. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.